All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. And Lord, as we celebrate your birth, celebrate your presence. God, open our hearts and minds now to hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I remember when I was in junior high. Uh, when I was in junior high, we used to have parties, uh, but they're very clean parties. I, I think, I feel like I grew up in like perhaps the last innocent era where we would have parties, there'd be boys and girls there, and we'd have Coke and pizza. But uh, that was junior high for me in 1980-something. And one time we were having a junior high party, and we decided to have a sing-off. And so the girls would sing and act out a song, then the boys would sing and act out a song. And the point was to see who was the funniest, right? So, you know, they would, they like, I don't know, they picked, you know, I can't remember, probably something from Cindy Lauper or something like that, you know, and they're singing it and they're trying to be silly. Well, we decided we were going to pick a song from Whitney Houston. But, but, but every song we picked was like, you know, we were singing it too well. So we had to find something we could mock a little bit. So we picked the song called The Greatest Love of All. You remember that one? You know? I'm probably going to ruin your impression of the song this morning. So I'm really, really sorry if that's one of your favorite songs. I'm about to hopefully make it your unfavorite just because of one little line in the song. Uh, and if you remembered, it's, you know, the greatest love of all is happening to me. Uh, you know, it just keeps going on. But the last line of the song is very interesting. And a lot of people miss it when they sing it. But I want you to think about it this morning real specifically because it's a powerful line and it's because of this line that I think many of us think this way. The last line of the chorus is what? Learning to love yourself is the greatest love of all. And that, unfortunately, is so often what our love tends to be, what human love tends to be. It's that learning to love yourself is the greatest love of all. We can live in that. The problem is that is in direct opposition to how God defines love, right? If we look at the next slide here, God defines love as something drastically different than Whitney Houston and all the other people who recorded that song. God defines love as this. In John chapter 15, verse 13, greater love has no one than this then he lay his life down for a friend. Greater love has no one than this, then he lay his life down for a friend. Why do I bring that scripture up at Christmas? Because we have to remember, and you will get this if you come Christmas Eve. On Christmas Eve, I'm going to give you a real gift. There's actually a small part of the Bible that tells you what Jesus was thinking before he went into Mary. Like, what? Really? We got, like, Jesus' diary before he came to earth? We got a really small part of it, all right? There's a really small part of it. So if you come Christmas Eve, I'm going to show you what Jesus was thinking before he was placed into Mary's womb. But this, no doubt, was definitely on his mind. He wasn't coming just to be nice. He wasn't coming just to be a teacher. He was coming to lay down his life. Because for Jesus, love is seeking the highest good of others based on the truth of God. 
Love isn't learning to love ourselves. This is the problem. We approach love so much with a self-view that we've really skewed what love is. When I've told people, hey, God's telling you to love somebody, they'll say, should I go do this? I'll go, no, no, don't do that. Oh, well, should I go do that? No, 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 don't do that. <laughs> you know? Well, how should I love them? I know, that's the question. How should we love people? We love people according to biblical principles, according to the truth of God. Sometimes the greatest love you can give somebody is to help them out with a few dollars. And sometimes the worst thing you could do for somebody is give them a few dollars. Does that make sense? Love has a very interesting thing. That's why I often tell people, I need to be led into God's love because it's not always easy or apparent for me to understand what it is and how it works. And so God's love is fantastically different than ours. I remember that Max Locato, uh, he had a really cool quote. And he said, you know, if the world needed more money, well, then God would have sent an economist, right? If the world needed more uh, education, well, then God would have sent a teacher. If the world needed more technology, then God would have sent a scientist. If the world needed more pleasure, well, then God would have sent an entertainer. But what the world needed was love. And so God sent a savior to show us God's love and to be able to receive it. This morning, if you turn in your Bibles, you'll see here on the next slide, uh, if you turn in your Bibles, we're going to start in 1 John 4. And this little couplet, it, uh, couplet, it's about four verses, really encapsulate so much of the bare bones gospel that we want to represent at Christmas. And so beginning in verse 7, if you'll read along with me, this is a different translation than you'll see up here. It, you'll, you'll see the difference. Kind of neat sometimes how they do it. But it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. That's pretty close. Yeah. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. In this love, not that we loved God, but that he first loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. A few years ago, I had a radio show. And those of you who are guests on it or those of you who listen to it know that I always ended the show with the same question. If you could describe Christianity in just one word, what would that word be and why? And I, I get a, 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 a there was a, and I, I, I always tell people there's not a right answer, but there actually is a right answer. And I get words like hope and peace and friendliness and kindness and do good to others. And I, I would get all of these Wonderful thoughts. But every now and then, someone would just nail the three-pointer. And it was love. Nowhere in the Bible does it say God is hope. But it does say God is love. God does not just have love. See, the difference is we have love and we give it. We have love and we give it. 
But I don't know if we could necessarily describe the human race as love. <laughs> but God is a little bit different. God no, not just has love. God is love. We wouldn't describe, you know, water as being wet, right? Being wet is intrinsic to water. Water, when it touches you, it makes you wet. God, when he touches you, you experience love. So what we're talking about here today is something extremely powerful. And we think we understand it. We think we know love. We think we got this all, I got love, I got this down pat, I know what love is, I know what hate is, I'm going to try to avoid hate, and I'm just going to stick with love. But the fact of the matter is, we don't have the faintest clue about love. We're still trying to figure out Whitney Houston. Learning to love ourselves is the greatest love of all. And we look at something like John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, than someone die for his friends. Oh, man, that's a love that really challenges us. We're not sure about that love. We're not sure we're there yet. We're not sure if we would pass that test. And that's the amazing thing that we get to talk about at Christmas, is there wasn't just what we started with in the first week, which was, anybody remember? Peace. No, it was hope. Who said hope? <laughs> you were right. <laughs> and then there was peace. See, first you have to, you have to hope for peace, right? You know, and then, so you get the hope, then peace. And then when you hope for peace, what does it bring? Joy. Right? And then finally we end with What a loving church. <laughs> we are. <laughs> the point that the Bible's trying to make is everything that God does is love. When God creates, it's love. When God gives you something, it's love. When God disciplines, it's love. When God corrects, it's love. When God feeds, it's love. All of the halls of heaven are filled with love. The air you breathe in heaven is love. Everything that God builds, creates, sustains, and wraps himself around is love. The universe is filled with God's love. Love permeates everything. We have really had something happen here and happen here where we can't understand it in the ways that the angels can and everybody else who hasn't gone what humanity has gone through. But the universe is filled with God's love. Your destiny, our destiny, why Jesus came into the world and why he would go through the horrors of the cross was not just because he thought it would be a fun idea or because he was obligated to. God was not obligated to save anybody. It was love. And the love that came down and died for us on the cross, that is what fills the place that the cross gives us entrance to. Call it heaven. Call it paradise. Call it the kingdom of God. The Bible has many names for it. And by the way, it doesn't start after you die, it starts right here. 
the love that God has that extends throughout all of eternity that we are destined to inherit as followers of Christ. It begins here in the church. We love. So if you'll flip over your discussion sheet, my first point this morning is this. Point number one. Sorry, Vicki, but we're waiting on you. <laughs> point number one. We love God by loving people according to God's principles. According to God's principles. There was a woman who was very upset with her husband. She thought her husband was selfish, liar, greedy, all these horrible things. And so she went to a lawyer and said, I want to divorce this man. The lawyer said, is he rich? She goes, oh yeah, he's loaded. And so the lawyer says, this is what we're going to do. For the next two or three months, I want you to be extremely nice to him. Love him. Serve him. Take care of him. Go out of your way to be the best wife you could possibly think of. And then, and then, just when you've buttered him up and he thinks everything's wonderful, you, we're going to slap those divorce papers and we're going to crush him. She goes, oh man, that sounds wonderful so she goes home and she loves him for two or three months well after about four months the lawyer's like man my big payday has not called me yet so you know i need to call her up and say hey man, what's going on so he calls her up says hey what's going on I, I thought we were gonna you know start doing this divorce she goes divorce him I found out that I really do love him. I'm never going to divorce him. We have a great marriage now. Click. What's the point? Sometimes we have those moments where we just want to hurt people. We want to be mean to people. And we think that by doing so, somehow or another, we'll feel better or the situation will get better. But the fact of the matter is, this is a call, not just a point from a sermon. To love God and love people according to God's principles. As she began to love her husband according to God's principles, he began, he began to be impacted by that love. Because it wasn't just her love, it was a love flowing from God through her. And all of a sudden, it rearranged their marriage. It rearranged their friendship. It rearranged their relationship. They're not thinking divorce. They're thinking how much they're madly in love with each other. Because we love God by loving people according to God's principles. Point number two. Christmas is God's way of saying, I love you. If there's one thought I'd like you to go home with today, it's that. In about five days, six days, we'll celebrate Christmas Eve. But on Saturday, the 25th, We'll wake up this morning, we'll celebrate Christmas. Most of you, if not all of you, will have the day off. Hopefully, many of you will have some sort of meal prepared. If you don't, please let us know. We'll make sure you're fed. One thing our church does well, we feed people. So, just to let that out there, okay? <coughs> and I hope on that day, you'll say back to God, I may not totally understand you, but I love you too. And I know this day, if this day didn't exist, we wouldn't have Easter. 
And if Easter didn't exist, I would have nothing. One time, Pastor Bud and Shirley were telling me about a story about when they used to go in to Challenger, the youth, the youth prison, not prison, but um, detention center. And one of, the, one of the young men came up to Pastor Bud and said, now where in the Bible does it say that I'm worth anything? And God gave Bud a word of knowledge right then and there. But I said, well, it says in the gospel that God has his eye on the sparrow. That he even sees the sparrows that fly around in the air. And that they are valuable to God. And then he pointed out in the scripture where Jesus says, and you are more valuable and worth many sparrows. God says you're worth it. God says, I love you. Point number three. God loves us before we love him. This is the part of this passage that I think, you know, especially in verse 10, where it says, this, this is love, not that we loved God first, but that he loved us. It's like Romans 5, 8. God went to the cross while we were still sinners. In fact, in our sin, we killed God. You ever watch that movie? Um, used to be one of my favorite movies. The more I watch it, there are some things in the movie I wish they could have edited out. But the story as a whole is actually a pretty good parable of God's love toward us. And the movie is called, um, um, this is where you want notes. Um, can I see the next slide? Forrest Gump. No. <laughs> See how that true? Forrest Gump. And, you know, it's, it's, I always thought the movie was kind of like a history lesson wrapped up in some guy's life story, right? That's what you think the movie's about. Forrest Gump is born in the 20th century. He, you know, he goes through Elvis. He goes through the civil rights. He goes through, uh, uh, what else? The Vietnam War. Uh, he goes through China. He goes through all of these things in 20th century history from like 1950 to 1990. And they're like big things. He meets like three presidents and all that. And so you kind of think the movie might be about that. But when you rewatch it a second time, you realize the movie's not about that at all. The movie is about these two characters, Forrest on the right and Jenny on the left. And Forrest meets Jenny when they're like, in second grade and Forrest loves Jenny for the rest of his life now Jenny she gets very enamored with the world she wants to go off and find her fame and fortune and show so she does that you know she becomes a, a hippie and she becomes all these things trying to get love and affection and attention from the world and 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 she just gets plastered by the world and and ends up uh, dying of AIDS, but before that happens, all throughout the movie, you see Forrest trying to bring Jenny back, trying to tell me that he loved her, trying to say, you know, uh, come back to, to come back home with me, you know, let's let's get married and raise a family. I don't know if he said it just like that, but you you get the sense that Forrest is pursuing Jenny, 
the whole time. And it isn't until the end. It isn't until the end, until all of Jenny's idols have failed her, that she finally does come back to Forrest. And, and they get married and raise their son. And, and it, it's just kind of a neat parable that Forrest picked Jenny first. Jenny picked Forrest last. I don't know about you, but for me and God, it was a lot like that. God picked me first, but I had to go through all these things of the world, and then finally I picked God last. Now, I'm grateful I did before my final breath, but I, sh wish I sure wish I would have a lot sooner. I could have saved a lot of pain and heartache. Amen? Amen. And then finally, point number four, love because of his love. Love because of his love. I'm telling you right now, I love you. I love you. I love you because he loves me. And that's the way you want me to love you. You don't want me to love you because you help me. What happens when you stop helping me? I might not love you if it's based on that, right? You don't want me to love you for any reason less than God loves me because any reason less than God loves me could go away. I've seen the best of friends not even speak to each other anymore. Couples madly in love, horrific divorces. When we love based on our mutually exclusive contractual agreements to help and serve each other, they're just not as consistent or as powerful or as dependable as the love of God which never, ever, ever fails us. So when someone says they love me, I sure hope it's because that they are funneling love through God toward me. Because that love I trust. Otherwise, we're just people singing the same old song. Learning to love ourselves is the greatest love of all. Let's hit pause on that song because God has something better for you. And you know what that better is? His love to you and through you. Through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. If you want the life you were meant to live, then that's the love to live in. Before we close today, Maybe you have a song, a song in your younger years, and that's the song that defined love for you. And maybe it was a good one. Maybe it was a worship song. Maybe it was a Christian song. And it highlights the love of God by seeking the highest good of others. But for many of us, I have a feeling you were like me. Maybe it was Whitney Houston, maybe it was somebody else. We learned to love ourselves and called it love. And this, 
For all of you who are spacing out, that was just for you. <laughs> Some of you are going, man, God, God is good. <laughs> but for the rest of us, I want you to pray with me this morning and really receive this. Because I know too many Christians, they know God, they serve God, and they follow God. But I'll be honest with you, I don't know if they love God. I don't know if they got God's love flowing through them. And you know what? If we don't have that, the serving, following, and learning, it really ain't worth much in our lives. It begins, the foundation begins with love. For God is love. So if we could, let's stand together. And go ahead and repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, today... I exchange my kind of love for your love. Teach me. Fill me. Save me. I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I receive your love, your acceptance, and your forgiveness. And I ask you, right now fill me with your spirit and with love and power and a sound mind in jesus name amen